Good day. Um, good evening. How, how are you guys? Hi, guys. I'm good. How are you, TJ? I'm good. Had a busy day, but um, I like being busy. <laughs> I hear yeah. you. Hi, yeah. hi oh. everyone. Yeah. Welcome to um, the Trinidad Renaissance podcast. This is going to be part two or the redoing of part two. The last podcast, uh, part two, didn't go so well. So I decided to, to redo this one. Um, I'm joined with Anna and TJ. TJ is in Trinidad and Anna is, where are you, Anna? In New York. Okay, she's in New York. How are you doing, TJ? I'm fine. Good, good. No, I, so, I try to make the best of it, you know. Right, right. So how are things in Trinidad? Well, I can tell you um, things on my side where I live is fine. It's cool. It's, you know, weather is great. Um, I'm employed. I have to be grateful to that. Um, Absolutely. That's with me. But um, things in general, I guess, um, the general outlook is um, unstable, you know, negative. Right, right, right. You know, um, plenty of uh, murders, you know, crime out of control. Okay. Um, what's what's the murder toll? Do you know as of today? Must be more than a hundred. I've I've actually lost some count. Checking, you know, um, when someone dies, it's almost like someone just dies. You know, um, it's just normal when to hear that in the news now. You know. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yes, to the psyche, we we become somewhat desensitized to it in the news unless it directly affects us. You know, it's yeah. so prevalent. Yeah, for the most part, Trinidadians are desensitized, I think. Um, yeah. So, uh, what did you, did you, did you happen to see my first podcast with, uh, what's his name, uh, Marino? Yeah. Okay, what, what were your thoughts on that? Well, my, his, um, his views about his country, um, well, it, it's more harsher than mine. However, in many ways, I feel the same. Interesting. Yeah, I, I feel it's not, probably not to the, to the extent that he feels, but almost there, you know. Right, um, right. I, I understand. Yeah, so um, with regards to the country, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I, I don't have, I can say that I love the, the physical aspects of this place, right? The, the climate, the temperature, the environment for the most part. Um, but I dislike the psyche and the beliefs of the general population right would you would you be referring to the values yeah okay yeah, yeah. well I, I i found him to be very exhilarating and yeah. um his his views on Suriname, i i do agree it is it is uh i won't say it ex, it, it's extreme i what i would say is that i i totally understand where he's coming from yeah, yeah, I Yeah, I don't think he needs to apologize for for anything at all, and I, you know, yeah, I really yeah. support him in that. I um, agree. Yeah, yeah, it's it's easy it's easy to get there when you're uh, you're dealing with certain values and certain uh, certain uh, uh, types of morality. And, yeah. and and especially when you're dealing with people who don't understand how the world works. But Pretty much, do. yeah, yeah. The, people who aren't exposed, yeah, that's right. No, no. Yeah. The thing is, um, 
well, I actually looked at where he took a walk and was um was that another video or was it the same video? I think it's another video of his, and um you are showing the uh, pollution and the littering and so on, um, and w that littering that I see in this country where I live is um I would see it at the beach. I would see it um, at basically, you know, you go to Quora or Shark River and so on, you would see that style of littering. But um, in my neighborhood, it's it's not as bad. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I could actually take a walk out here and don't really see much um, garbage. There is, a, you know, a, just a little bit, but no, nothing to that extent. But um, Right. And the TJ. Go ahead. TJ. No, why is that? What, what, why, did it, why the difference in, in the garbage pileup, do you think? Well, this is southern Trinidad, right? And um, my neighborhood is um, pretty much a mixed neighborhood, but um, I guess um, the people here, they, there's a larger mix. So we would rub off on each other and we would have a, a more conscious mind about littering rather than a certain group of people maybe on the northern side of Trinidad, you know, um, it's less um, diverse. So there is a one-way style of thinking maybe. I, yeah. I understand. Yeah. So uh, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about race? <laughs> yeah, it, it might be, yeah, you know, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Right. right. Yeah. So um, I have a question for you. In regards to in regards to race, uh, you brought up race uh, in Trinidad. You know, uh, covertly, I would add, um, the littering, the style of littering that you're referring to. Um, I, I don't know if you recall the uh, the cricket match or a, a tournament or something like that. I think it might be IPL or or CPL, where yeah. there was a lot of garbage. Do you remember that? Yes, yes, I remember that. Yeah, very clearly. So what what uh, demographic would you attribute that that um, kind of um, decadence to? All right. So it, it's a, a fat scene. And during a fat scene, Trinidadians just don't give a shit. They right. forget everything. They just, um, they lose sense of, I don't know, their morals, values, dignity. It seems to go out the door. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I watched this video, and the first thing that struck me was not the littering, not the garbage at all. It was the lushness. It was the the topography, like I talk about, right? It's beautiful to me. It's beautiful, right? Um, uh, I frequent uh, uh, certain several countries, and um, the one that I like to go to, the state that I like to go to, that is reminiscent of Trinidad, is Hawaii, and Hawaii the topography is quite similar, but there's no trash, there's no littering, right? There's, you know, this, this, this pollution that you see and find in Trinidad, and as he showed in Suriname, it's just almost non-existent, yeah. right? So... No, no uh, I, I just want to just say, um, if you leave Trinidad and you go to Tobago, mm -hmm. you would find a difference in the um, upkeeping of the, the other island, the, the sister island. Um, is it, that because it's a, it's more of a tourist uh, attraction? Yeah, I guess that's what it is because they depend on tourism for their um, livelihood. 
Whereas we in Trinidad, we depend on um, industry, you know, oil and gas and so on, ammonia and whatever else we produce. So, so that would so that would have an, an effect on on behavior. Yes, uh, we, since we're not dependent on tourism, I guess we have um, we don't care as much to keep the environment looking as um, nice and clean. What's interesting about that is, is we're, 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 we're really saying that an incentive is necessary for yeah. these people to behave normally. Yeah, and, and, and there is no incentive. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, we should know better. That's right, and as um, my guest says, he calls them vermin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with yeah. his accent, it's just, it's so appropriate, the vermin. <laughs> yeah it's funny so, um but that's that's the thing about it um it, I, I wish i could really understand the psyche of why people do what they do you know um i don't know if you ever had the experience of um when you go to school people try to take your money and so on not exactly but i i've, I've borne witness to stuff like that yes well, well, I, 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 I've, I've experienced those things in school and so on, you know. Wow. Wow. Um, no, I, um, I may have lost my money twice on two occasions. Um, okay. You know, I'm, I'm the type of guy I would, um, basically, I would resist. I would try to fight back. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, on two, two occasions, um. One, the guy took the money out of my pocket when um, I, I wasn't sort of looking like he sort of sneaked his hand and, and took my money out. And um, the other occasion was there was a bunch of them. Um, you know, it was um, one Indian and three African guys. Um, basically, they, they bullied me and, um, you know, they, they took my money. It was I was by myself. Um, that, that, is, that is very unfortunate. It's kind of yeah. like... It's kind of like what's going on and uh, with the bill that, that just recently passed, huh? Yeah. The bill that recently passed, which is the civil asset forfeiture bill. You know, yeah. the government has is going to basically have its hands in you guys' pockets. You can seize, your, seize whatever it is you, you guys um, own. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing about this is that um, these things only happen when the citizens of a nation do something that, that basically causes a reaction and we lose our rights. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, I, I, would, I would liken it to what happened with the, the U.S. Patriot Act. But the difference with the U.S. Patriot Act was, uh, you know, there was no ma weapons of mass destruction. So. But there is a, 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 a type of dysfunction in Trinidad. We're talking about violent crime here that's actually rampant and it's out of control and something needs to be done about it. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, the, that's correct. Something needs to be done. Um, I think um, I think I spoke to this or I spoke about this already, but um, there is no easy way of um, solving this issue. Right, we we could talk about it in a nice way and say, well, you know, it's family structure and so on. Uh -huh. But how does one implement that change? You you 
what if the people doesn't want to have that in their life? What if what if they choose to be ignorant? Right, right, right. Well, so, the way I, the way I look at the bill, I the way I look at Trinidad is um, I I, I like I always say on Facebook um you know the government is a reflection of the people, and like I, I wrote in one of in one article I don't know if you read it that um you know what you see is what you get and what you what you what you see in in general society is what you're going to get from your from your politicians and from your leaders this uh this there's there's no care there's no duty of care which means you, you know people often or generally don't give a shit about their fellow their fellow man and how they treat their fellow man you know take for instance what what you 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 basically described a, a bullying situation when you i think what you were in in school or was this as, yeah. an, as an adult that was in school um uh, well in school i was a pretty small guy you know so um i would have would have been much easier for my peers to overpower me you know i i, I was a slow um maturing individual i i refer to myself as the ugly duckling right right so it was easy it was easy for them to take advantage of you. But what I'm talking about here is um, it's, it's a, a general sense of not giving a shit about anyone or anything. There's no respect for, for authority in Trinidad. There's no respect for personal property. There is no respect for personal space. There's no respect for personal choice and decisions. Okay. You tell someone that you choose to, to do something or not do something, you're, you are met with coercion. And it's the same thing that you see among its leaders. The leaders do not have any respect for the general populace. So, you know, yes, we could, we could argue that, you know, that there's a lot of crime going on in Trinidad and something needs to be done. And for civilized nations, passing a bill like this is actually um, something that would actually work. But I am just afraid of Trinidadians, man. Uh, Trinidadians, I don't think Trinidadians are civil enough to carry out a bill such as this, a law such as this, without there being, there will be too many opportunities for abuse. And, and I, I would hedge a bet that um, it will be taken, uh, they, they will take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, yeah, Trinidadians will take a bad song and make it worse, you know? And for the most part, like I call, you know, Naipaul refers to when you refers to us Trinidadians as mimic men, and unfortunately, we mimic the worst of everything. And something such as a civil asset recovery and, and management, uh, unexplained wealth bill, is just taking the negative shit of first world nations and trying to exemplify it in your own nation. Yeah. yeah. But as I said, um, the populace is to blame for it because um, we allow the situation to become what it is. You know, what do you mean by that? Well, we basically make excuses for crime. Oh, yeah. We, we don't... Basically, what we needed to do was grab the bull by its horn. Right. And we didn't do that. Instead, we, we stick our head in the sand and pretend it's not there and and be nice about it and, and try to ignore it. And this is the price we pay. Right. right. It, it's, 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 uh, it's reactionary. 
Yeah, um, we, we could actually look at it from another view. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, Winston Churchill, right? You, you get a lot of Trinidadians speaking of him badly. Of course, but, because, yeah, colonialism, right? Yes, but my view is is this. Churchill, basically, he tried his best to rally the nation to face up to, to German aggression, right? And had he not do that, had he be like everyone else and ignored it, there's a good chance Brit- the, the British Empire would have fallen to Germany. Absolutely, they were they were practically all, practically defeated. Yeah. So so the thing about it is this: we, the general populace in Trinidad and Tobago, we're ignoring the actual causes of the um, issue, and you know we we are at a point here where it's beginning to cause us issues even on the um, international front. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Are you referring to the, the terrorist attempt today? Yeah, and I believe that's just one of quite a few now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, no. I think, it's, I think it's appalling. It's embarrassing. And, um, oh, man, it, you know, these guys are making it worse for everyone else, you know, Trinidadians in general. Yeah. What, what, I, what I see there is, and I think I was talking to someone today about this, is that um, there is a, uh, how do you put it? There, there, there's the influence of Islam. And I, I think you and I would agree that Islam is, is pretty much bad news. Yeah. No. Uh, I know a lot of good, decent Muslim people. The moderates. Um, but um, the, the thing about it is, yes, they have a higher um, tendency to do things like this. Why is that, you think? Well, I believe um, they, you, you, you know if you know enough Muslims, right? You, they would say, well, it's a nice religion. Um, but there are different views and different interpretations of the same literature. Right, right. And then there are areas where they, they actually might even ignore because they know it's bad, but they wouldn't say that, you know, in the open. Yeah, so, so there's like a moral grab bag, you know, they get to pick and choose whatever, um, whatever form of morality they subscribe to. Yeah, and I, I also believe that um, basically they, it's something that they would not show to the general public. Mm-hmm. Islam. <laughs> yeah, so, so so there's one front to the open public and then they might there might be another front um amongst themselves. Yeah, but you, you do find that among many religious factions though, many re- religions is that, you know, you have the ones who are the literalists and then you have the ones who are the pragmatists, right? The ones yeah. who um like I said, uh, they they see a moral grab bag and they utilize it. They they um they go to town. Right. And well, what what we what we do know about Islam and admittedly, it's majority of it is from the mainstream media is that um, there is a. Well, it's always in the name of divine pursuit. Their violence is always justified or in the name of divine pursuit. And um, you were you're about to say something. Well, you know, it's the way I look at it, um, I relate it to, to race. 
um, it's it's justifiable because somehow uh, we were put upon, right? So our violence is justifiable. Oh, so so you're saying you're saying the narrative is very similar to that of Africans. That, Africans. That's just plain talk. That of Africans. We were put upon. Someone transgressed against us. The whether it's the infidels or whether it's the white men. For the Africans. So so what about jihad? Well, again, you were talking about the literalist, right? It's just it, it, it just falls right in there with the uh, justification. Yeah, you know, they, they would feel justified to do certain things. They would feel justified to go to Syria uh, and so on, you know? Yeah, what is that about? What, why, are, why are our Trinidadian men being drawn to ISIS? What is going on there? Well, um, at first, I believe that there was a cool factor to it. You know, there was an aspect of um, it amongst Muslims that... Um, they, they felt it was a cool and nice, exciting thing to do. Um, let, let's look at it this way, right? Um, after 9-11, a lot of Americans, they felt um, it was the patriotic thing to go and fight for their country. And if they died, well, they died a hero and so on, right? Oh, okay, okay. In the defense of their country. Um, so I guess um, this is similar to that. Okay, so this 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 is almost like a a, a civic duty. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense. So so Trinidadians are drawn to that. Well, I would say Trini Muslims are drawn to that. Right, right. right. Um, but um, not all, you know, not all of them, because um, you know, but what what really bothers me is that um, I saw people. Right, they they were coming around and they were in their um, in their traditional wear, their traditional Muslim wear, and they were stopping house to house and they were looking for uh, Muslim families to talk to. And um, basically, they stopped here and they asked me um, what if I'm Muslim, right? And I said, uh, well, they, they called me out in front. I came out and. Uh, they asked me if I was Muslim. I said, no, um, I'm, I'm Christian. But um, something they asked me about if we were from Hindu background or something, I said, yes. And then they said, well, um, Christians are our friends and Hindus are our friends also. And, and then they went on their way. And, um, but they asked um, ask another um, person in the neighborhood about um, where there would be Muslim families. And they went to the back and... Um, and they basically, um, I guess, try to speak to people. And, and um, the, the thing about it is um, no one really knows what they went there for, but I suspect they were trying to recruit for ISIS. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's it. That's, okay. But, but you see, what bothers me about this is how these people enter our country. How hmm. they get into this country? That, that's the part that bothers me. You know, the, these guys are, are radicals, right. you know. Now, officially, they, they won't say that's what they were doing, but um, they were looking for, for families with young boy children. Right, right. And this is, this, this, this is commonplace in Trinidad now? Well, um, I haven't seen these guys around, but remember ISIS was um, 
but basically um sort of defeated. You know, right. they they're probably are grassroots factions of the group now. So oh, I see, I see. I so guess what, the guy, the, the Trinidadian, you saw there, he would be a grassroots faction, you know. Right, 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 right. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Now, but, uh, but, um, do you know that this guy has a really had a really good job? I was hearing it on the news today. Oh yeah, I read the article. I read an article about him. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't tune into anything. Um, uh, over here in the United States, per se, because you know, I'll be honest with you, man. When I see these kind of things, oh man, it it, it just tr- it churns my stomach, and I feel I feel embarrassed, you know. And so, no, I didn't really tune into it as much. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, these. Yeah. So, what about the Nation of Islam in Trinidad? I know there's a there's a uh, there's a movement over there. Yeah, um, the Nation of Islam. I, I haven't paid that much attention to him, but I, I would think that's a. Um, that, what's the guy's name again? Um, David Muhammad. What? What? What do you? What are his? Um, what are his? What? What's his position on on ISIS, and ISIS recruits from Trinidad? Well, listening to him speak, I don't think he he might be into ISIS, right? I think he, this is, this is, again, my opinion from listening to him speak. He is trying to use Islam to unite the um, African community. Oh, right. That's right. That's true. Yeah, he, yeah, he's, I, their, he's their main apologist over there. Yeah. yeah right. So I, I don't think that, that he is actually, this, he may not agree with me. I don't think he is primarily about Islam, but he is more about using Islam as a tool to unite the African community. Is it such a bad thing, though? I, I think I think he's um, I think that that role that he may be playing, as you guys are suggesting, is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, if we if we look at the efficacy of uh, of Islam in the lives of young African males. I mean, yeah. how, how has it been? Has it been a, a good force or, or, or a force for negative? Well, um, we it, it has, I would say both. Yeah. I would say both, right. So um, the, the, the thing that uh, about it is this, a lot of um, young guys, mostly African guys, but some Indians also, they would join the, the, um, the faith, right? Some would join it. In good, in a good manner, and they would really be improve their lives. And then there's the other, there's the other fact, faction that joins it, and um, they join the gang and they shoot and they kill and so on. Those are the oh, guys right. you hear about on, on on TV, you know. Right, right, right. The Muslims oh, yes. and the um, and the um, what's what did they call them? The um, Rasta City, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The, so so it's a it's a it's a religious gang. Would you call it? Yeah. But again, too, the, the, you know, it's very um a lot. Like I said, a lot of good Muslims would say that it's it's not true Islam in in their view also, right? And I I believe they're they're part correct also because if you look at it in Islam, cocaine and so on is not um allowed, and and plenty of their wars and so on is to control, you know, territory and and maintain their trade. How true is that? You know, how certain can we be about that? Um, 
Well, it, it, there is plausible deniability, so we, we cannot say that we can be 100% sure. Right, right. Because one person comes to mind is, is uh, uh, what's his, Yasim or Yasen Abu Bakr. I, I went to school with his sons, uh, um, Ayinde and uh, a couple others, of which I can't really remember their names right now. But he comes to mind because he, 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 uh, I saw the, I don't know if you guys, yeah, you guys probably have seen the Vice coverage of Trinidad and the gangs and, and the violence. Yeah, and I, I saw it. Yeah, when he yeah. mentions that he was a force for good. He was actually trying to get the the uh, the African males off the street and out of gang violence and, and, and into the fold of Islam. Yeah, well, I, I looked at a, a video. It was a Vice video, I think it was. Um, yeah. When they came to Trinidad and they interviewed um, Abu Bakr. Mm -hmm. and in that video, he claimed that he controlled the streets and he kept the gang violence at a low. Right, right. That's exactly what it is I remember him saying, yes. So, what, so what's your opinion on that? I don't necessarily have an opinion. I, I think that he might be correct, because if we look at the time period, right, there was Mr. Dolcedi, mm -hmm. there was Abu Bakr, and, um, well, basically, Abu Bakr, he's a, a spent force, I believe. Mm -hmm. He's um, a spent force. What, what does that mean? He's exhausted his, uh, his relevance? Uh -huh. I don't think he is as influential as he was uh, back in the day. Oh, right? okay. Gotcha, I'm not gotcha. saying that he has no influence, but I'm saying that it has dwindled since then. And I believe he admits that in the video also. Right, 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 right. So, and we also had Dolcedi, right? So what a lot of people claim, I can't say how true this is, but they said after Dolcedi was um, executed by hanging, Mm-hmm. Um, everything went out of order because Dole controlled a lot of the um, drug trade and so on and kept it in an orderly balance. He was a, he was a regular Robin Hood, wasn't he? Nankisin Boudram. I don't buy that. But what I remember reading um, an article a couple of years ago about him uh, oh. where the CIA basically ousted him as a small fish. He was basically considered to be uh, more or less insignificant in the operation that the CIA and some other, I think it might have been, uh, I don't know, that some drug task force or something they were conducting, and they considered him to be almost uh, a nothing. Okay. okay. Yeah, but immaterial, but, it, you know, just food for thought. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, go ahead. But I'm, I'm just looking at the, the, the period of time. Yeah. Uh, during his time in Trinidad, being alive and being in, in, in under um, great, great enough influence to be spoken about in Trinidad, um, we didn't have the level of violence. So I was thinking... That is true. That is true. I, I, you know, I could attest to that because I remember... This is what I remember, man. I'll be honest, man. I, rem I remember him. I remember Lizard. I remember some heads being chopped off and found somewhere in the bush... And some other shit, but uh, that's that's as far as I, I went. And and I remember the hanging, and it, it made it, it made news all over the world because you know hanging was was is considered um, banned or outlawed in, in Western in the Western world, and here Trinidad was hanging, right? But that's yeah. all I remember about it. Inhumane. Yeah, it was considered inhumane. That's right. Um, um, you know, uh, specular effect. You you ask if. Uh, 
you know what, uh, David Muhammad, the Nation of Islam leader, is doing is so bad. Right. And, um, you know, the position I take on him, specifically him, yeah, because I've listened to him, is if you don't understand the root causes of the people that you propose to be helping, um, how are you going to help them? And from his, his diatribe that he, he puts out on, on, on his podcast and so on, I don't think he understands it. He apologizes for their behavior. I, I, I agree. I totally agree. That is the influence. I'm sorry. That's the perspective that, that I have on him as well. And I'm sorry to interject. Um, no, that's okay. I agree. Um, when I asked the question, when I asked the question about whether or not he's a, a positive or negative force, I think I agree with with TJ when when he says that he's both. the The positive force is the ability to get the the uh, the criminal, the African violent criminal, off the streets and into into the fold of Islam. But the the, the negative aspect of it is is one of paternalism. He espouses and he promotes paternalism, basically victimology, a victim narrative that Africans are put upon. Colonialism is to blame. The government is to blame. Um, and, you know, he he basically shirks Africans, Afro-Trinidadians, from any form of responsibility. He shirks their responsibility. They, they are, he basically teaches them not to self-reflect. There's no introspection at all, that everyone is against them. And everyone is responsible for their plight and their situation. And this is, this is a major negative thing. And this is, this is basically what you find. This is a narrative that you find in, in the United States and everywhere where, where uh, African violent crime is, is rampant. It's disgusting. Absolutely. If he, if he had a high success rate of converting... Um, these uh, violent youth into Islam, where, like you suggested, you, you, you and TJ were discussing earlier, you know, there's no alcohol, there's no drugs allowed, you're, you're not allowed to do certain things, you have to live by these certain pillars of Islam. Right. It would be something that would reform them. But yeah. what is the success rate? I'm not sure. I think his success rate might be low, but I know he's working on a few projects from what I'm hearing he's saying, but... Um, my concern is this. Okay, so um, let's say at this moment he is, uh, you know, he's, he's trying to do what we would consider to be positive for the most part, right? And But let's say he, he did succeed. I think he would raise, a, there's a threat. There, there, maybe, maybe I might be mistaken, but I think there is a chance that he may create a large level of ethnic divide that this country may have never seen before. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I can yeah. see that. I mean, I, I've listened to him, uh, I, would, I would say, extensively. And the reason why I, I have been privy to his material is because, um, let's, be, let's be real, uh, like I, I, I've mentioned in my videos, the face of violent crime in Trinidad is African and something needs to be done about it. And when you look at trends, you look at patterns, you, you look at certain models in history where African-Americans or Africans in general were doing well. They were upstanding citizens. You find a, a, a common trend, and which happens to be the religious community. The religious community, or the eye in the sky, as I call it, and, and, you know, this is quite unfortunate. 
that there has to be an eye in the sky or the all-seeing eye in order for certain people to um, to behave well or to be model citizens, to be proper moral agents. And hey, man, if, if that's what's required, then so be it. So I agree and I think I applaud his efforts. But when it, when it comes to the victimology or the victim virus, spreading the victim virus that, that you know, the white man is to blame and all this racism and, and, and just basically saying it's not your fault and, and coddling and it, it has detrimental, severe and detrimental ramifications. Absolutely. To, to, to speak to uh, a racial divide that Trinidad has never seen before, I could see that being a possibility. I mean, after all, the epistemology is Islam, and Islam is uh, very much clear on what ought to be done with the infidels. So oh, yeah. No, no. If we go down, going, let's look at the demographics here. There are more wealthy East Indians than there are wealthy Africans, right? And the thing about it is when he can't blame, when he's no longer in a position to blame the white man, who will he blame next? He may blame the Syrians and then after the Syrians, who is there after that? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's what he does, I think, all the time. Yeah, I've heard yeah. him talk about the 1%, the yeah. nauseating phrase. Yeah. No, no. He has this, he has this, my view on the 1% is this. They were efficient. In the early days, they were efficient. They were more efficient than any other group in the country. They, they, they had their plans laid, well laid out and they built their empire. Well, yeah, uh, I, the, the, you know, like I've mentioned many times before, and, and in one of my videos, I mentioned that the 1% happens to be what is considered to be a middleman minority. And middlemen minorities are very common and useful and effective in any so social setting. Yeah, we have, Jews, we have the East Indians, we have the Lebanese, we have the Syrians, and many others, the Germans. Okay, they are they actually possess a different type of work ethic than than that of the the host natives who happen to be the av the average Trinidadian. So, yeah. what do you expect? No, the, the thing about it is to, so this is what I told someone in the past. What if we had an uprising and we chased all the 1% out of Trinidad? What would, what would happen if we did such a thing? It would look like Nazi Germany. That's exactly what happened in Nazi Germany. No, no. Here's the thing also. Who provides many of the things and goods and services that we need and we enjoy in our everyday life in Trinidad and Tobago. The 1%. Yes. Let, let's start with a few of the, 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 the things people consider fun and leisure. Carib, yeah. Stag, right? Okay. The people who import and distribute Heineken, right? I'm just going down the things that Trinidadians love here. Who, who's responsible for those industries? Is it the Germans? It's the 1%. It's, um, I believe it's all Syrian controlled. Is it? Yeah. If, if anybody, any of the listeners are listening and, and knows about this stuff, feel free to correct us. Feel free to chime in. Yeah. Right. Um, 
Uh, I believe it could be the Sabgas. Uh, are they not the Syrians? I believe so. I'll be honest with you. Um, my uh, my knowledge, I came into understanding uh, the ethos of Trinidad, where the one percent is is concerned, only just recently, only a few years ago. Mm. Um, I, I have come to learn that they are very much disliked and hated, like any other um, middleman minority in history. And I've come to understand that there's a rift between the, the East Indians and the Syrians, and it, it dates back decades. I didn't know that. No. But, go ahead. So, so let's just say you read most of the products that we have, you will see who it's distributed by these same people. So right. as I was saying, if there was something in the, in the effect that we would uh, oust these people, Trinidad would fall into a state of, um, we would end up like Haiti perhaps, you know, in dysfunction, total dysfunction with all these people. I see what you mean. So basically the 1% provides your industries, it, it provides your jobs, pr provides your services, your goods and services. Yeah. And the, 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 the hate and vitriol that is, that is meted out against them in the media especially, which is ironic because don't they control the media? Yes, they do. But they don't control social media. So where do you see most of this, this, um, this scrutiny? Is it in the media or is it on Facebook and, and other uh, social media outlets? Yeah, I would say it's, it's on social media more so than, than the actual news. Now, here's the thing about it. I'm not saying that everything these people do is perfect. I'm definitely not saying that. But all I'm saying is that on, on the negative side of them, they have influenced the government. Right. right? At, at the end of the day, it's not their fault. Every businessman would do what's best for them. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, it, um, I'm sorry to interject. Yeah. This is something that's very common in, um, in the United States where, um, well, James Madison, one of the founding fathers of, uh, of the United States, was a fucking genius hands down. I don't know if you guys, if you've ever read the Federalist Papers, and I would suggest anyone to read the Federalist Papers. It's Federalist number 10, where he talks about factions. So you, you would have, he, he, he basically suggests that factions are necessary in a republic to cancel out each other. And so far, that's exactly what they do. Because without factions, you would have a concentration of, of power to uh, a minority or a majority, either way, right? So yeah. in, 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 re, in respect to the 1% that you're referring to in Trinidad, them having a, an influence in the government is not necessarily a bad thing. However, if it results in a concentration of power, meaning that there are no other rivaling um, factions, it becomes a severe problem. and and. I would, I would say, I would attest this to be one of the major problems in, in Trinidadian society right now. And yeah. the general population has a problem with them. I, I, I totally get it, but it's, no, it's, nothing, it's nothing unusual, okay? There's so many countless examples of middlemen minorities being hated in history. Yeah, no, no. What, what annoys me is not the actions of the Syrians who seek their own interests, right? Every good businessman should do the same. Right. 
right? In my opinion, and uh, I'm I'm leaving it like that. Whoever wants to judge me on that comment, it's up to them. Now, the thing about it is, it's actually up to the the individual in government. They need to possess the right character to make the right decisions. Right. So, so basically, at the end of the day, at, at, at uh, certain decisions to be swayed left or right or to stay neutral um, is at the feet of the politicians. Yeah. No. They what they should have done was allow a free market, and and this is where the, the negative sides of the um the one percent comes in. Right. There is no free market to make them fairly compete in Trinidad. Right. Absolutely. So I, I don't want to oust these people. You know, I just want them to compete on an even landscape. Right. Right. And when I say even landscape, let's look at the, the, the kind of streets. It's the most simple thing I can think about right now. We right. have foreign use industry and we had a striving foreign use industry under the, the Pande government. Right. Right. And when that foreign news industry started off, it flourished, it created many jobs. A lot of people actually was able to, to, to go into foreign news business. Not that they are not now, but they actually went into it in a way that it was more profitable for them. It was cheaper to bring in a vehicle. It was cheaper for an individual to own a vehicle, right? And after, um, I guess after Pandey went out of government, and um, the PNM came back in. They basically put restrictions on the foreign news industry. They, people, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, first it started off with no no limit, I believe. Right. Right. I'm not saying that there should be no limit, um, but we're just going. Now we, we're at the point where there is um you can only bring in a car that's five years old, and it just doesn't. Well, it's five years old. The, the taxes is so high now that a foreign news cars, in some instances, foreign news cars cost almost as much as a brand new car, right? Wow. And, and the people that actually run these in um the new car industry, like um I guess in um and Samakal Motors and so on, they are all the one percent. So it's okay. clear to me that the one percent actually um what's the term we would use um. Well, they actually went to the government and, and, and used their influence and, and passed these laws on the foreign news industry. So they basically slowed down the foreign news industry so that their industry would, um, you know, be successful. And that's, right. not an, that, that's not an even playing field. That's crony capitalism. Yeah, yeah, it's corporatism. If, if, if for, uh, and and yeah. then, then you, you have to deal with the, the domino effect that one industry has on the other. Yeah. You know, not, the, the thing about it is also that um, competition would have been good. They, you know, they, they, would, they could have dropped the prices on their cars. Um, the other issue is this, you can buy a foreign use vehicles with all the options and spend more money and you would bring down on, um, you would buy a vehicle locally and it doesn't have the options as the foreign use vehicles does. Right. Um, right. And the, the point I'm making is this. If they put them in a, a, a manner that they would have competed, the consumer would have gained more. And, and, and that's the example is, I don't want to go too far, but the example is, it's, this is what's affecting Trinidad and Tobago a lot also. Right, right, right. You know, so, it's so, 
stifling industries, you said? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. What yeah. other so, areas do you, uh, TJ, do you, uh, do you see these influences affecting the economy and, or, or uh, you know, free market as a whole? I think it affects... Um, I think it affects it affects a lot a lot of um other industries like um for example our agricultural industries is also affected but this is I wouldn't say it is affected by the one percent but it's affected again by government interference um let's say the government gives people um CPEP jobs right URP jobs and so on and if an individual wanted to let's say do agriculture. He has to pay a worker if he can even find one a lot of money and then he is unable to make a profit. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so so it, it hinders not just um not just that, but but again government interference just um it destroys the labor industry a lot. You know, that's every Everybody's out there. They they're looking for this the easy CPAP money basically, and and there's no labor. Um, it's something I've experienced. Right, right, right. Interesting. So would you would you would you would you classify um, Trinidad as a socialist, or or would you say it has socialist underpinnings? I would say that um, it there's a mix of crony capitalism and socialism. There's right. a mix. Yeah, there's a lot of red tape for any any anyone seeking to to do business in Trinidad. You would say? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was actually talking to a bartender the other day, and he was telling me about the runaround. He says, um, last year they passed this place, and this year the um people that came to inspect they're always finding something else to do, something else to do, and it's a big runaround for him to even um to continue his business. Last year they passed it and now this year it's another issue and another issue it just makes no sense. Right, right, right. Then you're dealing with, in, in instances like that, you're dealing with, uh, you know, bribery. They're, they're looking for some kind of an incentive to to pass the uh, the place for business. Yeah, perhaps, you know. So, um, yeah, so the, these types of issues are rampant throughout the country, you know. Um, I've actually... Um, brought up the idea to certain people of influence um you know that that um in, encourage a certain level of transparency and basically they never entertain the idea and it gives me the impression that these people just like the dysfunction because they are able or they have friends who would profit from the dysfunction well well as an ethicist I, the way I look at that is, um, like I always say, you know, it's a reflection of the people. This is what happens on the ground level. This is how the average Trinidadian uh, interacts with each other on a daily basis. And you're going to find this. You're going to find this level of corruption. You're going to find these, um, these immoral, I would call it, unethical types of behavior, even at the highest levels. Yeah, well... Um... And the thing about it is this, um, this is where I agree with um, the other guy from your podcast when he says um, Suriname is basically a shithole. Right. I would agree with him on Trinidad too. 
not, sure. to, not perhaps not to the extent that he has went about Suriname, but a lot of it also. Because let's say you just go and you you, you jump in your vehicle and you take a drive out the road. I, I could swear to you, every corner there's a, a, a hole where where Wasa dig the road. Right, right, right. Um, it's really disgusting, you know. Um, they dig the road, okay, and then there's this special contractor who's supposed to come and, and repair the road, and and all the all that happens is that they throw the same ga- um, gravel that was digged out and made the hole. They just keep it back there and maybe roll on it, and that's it, and it's rough and it, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is um, this is the typical Trinidadian um, mindset. Yeah, yeah and, right. And what I do not understand is these people that does these things also own vehicles. So how could oh, you yeah. then good drive? Point. Very vehicle? good point. That's a what very good type, point. Yeah, what type of individual would would do something like that? You know, you have no pride in your work. Right. It, it's 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 lack of pride in one's work, but it's also because they know it's acceptable behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the yeah. point I think specular effect you're making about the government. It's acceptable. We can get yeah, away yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. No one is no one is gonna castigate you, no one is gonna chastise you and and, and pull you up about it, basically. Because <laughs> it, it's 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 been normalized. Or, or if they do, they're, they're doing it uh, for utility, you know, because they just want to complain. They just want to be a victim of something. Um, yeah. But no, no one's going to take a, a, a strong enough position to, to effect any kind of change about it. Oh, yeah. Trinidadians prefer to be, prefer to have any sort of issue. What, what, are, what is the issue of today? What's the issue this week? And they just bitch and complain. But to affect any real change, they are not about that. If they were to, if they were about solving problems in Trinidad, they will have nothing to bitch and complain about, and all the nitpicking and the back and forth and the quibbling and the the, the, the bullshit, the party politics, and who's this and who's that and who's not this and who did this and didn't. It's that's that's Trinidadianism. For and, and I'll tell you, I went to a meeting the other day and. Um, there was this um, individual, uh, a politician also, and um, he was saying, and this is what annoys me about this country, he was saying the road is smooth like glass. Oh, no. That's the comment he made, the road is smooth like glass. Wow, wow. So, um, so tell your dad I said hi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is he okay, by the way? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, he says that um, it's um, the road is smooth like glass, and and the thing about it, it couldn't be any further from the truth. It's rough. There's holes anywhere you drive. You know, um, I I can't drive a hundred feet without meeting a pothole or. A, somewhere the road is hanging and, and falling one side and, and so on, you know. Um, and he says it's smooth like glass. And, and what annoys me the most is that the people in the meeting, they basically um, sit down quiet and, and agrees with the individual. Right. Well, what, what does that say about the, 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 the people, though? I mean, I, I am always of the mind that... Um, People ought to do things for themselves. I do not 
I do not uh, espouse the whole dependency syndrome where you have to wait for your government to do anything. Okay. Luckily, I live in a civilized uh, country where I don't have to necessarily have to rely on the state or um, my district, the councilman, whoever, or the chair to, to fix my roads per se. They, they are aware of it and they know this. And if, if, you, if we do see that there's a lapse in all, it's just a phone call. And, or if, it's being, if one phone call is, is ignored, uh, get 5,000, 10,000 phone calls or a petition and it gets done. It's, a, it's a bringing it up at a town hall meeting. Well, that's so. the thing about it also, right? So, so to begin with, the, the road was in such even worse condition, right? And people, they basically protest and we got the road paved and it was smooth at glass at as first. But um, again, the, the water company just digs up everything and don't repair the, the area properly. And yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, I don't understand to the, our politicians. They have no shame. They, they really are shameless, you know. Right. It, it, it's disgusting. It's, it's disgusting. Right. So for, for any of you who are listening and saying that, hey, you know, you guys are bitching and complaining too. No, there's a difference here. Um, if, if we, the, the average Trinidadian needs something to be wrong in order to maintain some sort of relevance. And that within itself is a stagnating factor in uh, ushering in any kind of change in the country. What we're doing is uh, we're actually, we're discussing exactly what we see and, and, and how it is in Trinidad from a, from a, from, from a cross-sectional perspective. And what I mean, there's, a, there's the micro and there's the macro. We're taking the macro look at things. And this is just what's going on in your country. And um, for the most part, a lot of Trinidadians are aware of these issues, right? They are aware of these issues, but their awareness goes only as far as bitching and complaining, not necessarily to do something about it, not necessarily to get something done. I mean, I... I, I I would, would like to be corrected on this because, you know, if, if I am corrected on this and my perception of this is, is, is changed, I feel a lot better knowing that Trinidadians actually do, do give a shit and it's not really the way that it is portrayed. Yeah, well, um, I even heard that it might even be illegal to, to repair our road. However, um, what I'm saying is um, there's a, there was actually a bad area on the road in front of my house and um, we did do some repairs to it and then I noticed the um, works came and they actually saw that and they did a better patch and, and it's much better than it was before. Oh, so you're saying it's illegal for... for um... It, it, it could be, it, it could be. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it, um, let's say you don't fix the road properly. Let's say you try to fix the road and you didn't fix it perfectly. You, they could probably turn around and said you defaced public property, you know? Oh, oh, incredible, man. Totally incredible. Yeah. So, so, so the, I mean, it, it might be slim because at the end of the day, if Wasa is able to deface public property and then they don't send their contractors to properly repair it, you know? 
but is it is it their job to to repair the roads after they've they've done uh, a particular job? Yes, and and my question has always been, who inspects the jobs? You that's know, yeah, yeah. Um, and and that's the other thing I noticed in that video the guy did. Um, even in Suriname, where um, he showed us the, the roads were still better than the road is in my country here. You know, in Trinidad here. Is, do you think? Do you think it's because um, the population size and uh, you know the, the roads are heavily traversed in Trinidad compared to Trinidad? Well, um, the thing is, there are a lot of trucks and so on in Trinidad. You know, um, I guess a lot more so than it would have in Trinidad. In I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Right, right. But nonetheless, it's still it sh it should be a, a high priority, right, to fix your roads. Like, come on. Yes, um, you know, it's that's the thing. Any properly functional country, the most basic utility is the road, and that is one of the most basic utilities a government should provide is good roads. Right, and, and okay, yeah. Yeah, these are one of the commodities. And, and so, yeah. well, well, if you look at it from an economic perspective, um, businesses should, businesses pay higher taxes, to have the easements, uh, you know, such as roads and stuff, be um, be properly paved. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, here's here's the thing about the taxes, right? So uh, I pay probably about twenty five percent taxes or something. At twenty five percent, I lose twenty five percent of my salary. Oh sure. Right. Um, so that's a fair amount of taxes, and then we pay that. Mm -hmm. um, paid duties and so on, on on many of the items we use you know car parts um, and so on um, they, they've almost removed the subsidy of, of fuel right um, they've increased the price of a ticket you get if you get cats feeding and so on it used to be around two hundred dollars now it's a thousand dollars um they're they're redoing the the um house taxes, so we're, we're going to be paying much more than we are paying now. Right. So, I'm telling you all the increases in taxes and so on, um, it's, it, it doesn't come back to the everyday citizen. Yeah, you don't see it, you don't see it where it matters, such as yeah. your roads, your healthcare probably too, right? Yes, healthcare, it's, it's a mess. Schools? Well, TJ, what about, um, advocacy uh do they have like local councils uh, that would advocate for the neighborhood to get better roads or you know better utilities and stuff like that i've never really um checked on that you know um i i, I always said it but but you know and this is the thing about it if i if i go to a meeting and i say well um the workers of the works and so on should be fired or, 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 or punished or, or, or something for their lack of um, concern on the road. It would, I, people would watch me in a negative way, like I said something wrong. You're kidding. No, um, I'm not kidding. And I believe also is that it's, it has everything to do with politics, you know, um, the politician just they want to bend down and be nice and, and don't upset anyone just so during election time um, they would get easy votes. Right. So so that's what politicians are. Politicians yeah. are all about 
uh, votes and money, nothing else. So they would they make certain promises to, to their uh, constituents and that's it. So you, you, election time coming around, you, you'd find them uh, scampering to maintain their, their voting block and their constituents by, you know, trying to trying to uh, keep good on their promises. But hey, this right. is just, just so great. so generally the, the neighborhood councils, the, the local the district councils, the town councils, the city councils, whatever they may, may be referred to over there, they're supposed to act as an advocate for the residents. Or what they inevitably turn into are campaign, um, ah. uh, uh, you know, campaigners for a yeah. specific political party. Yeah, oh so basically, God. it's like this. It's like this. Um, let's say um, um, MP for Shaguanas or the um, councillor for the area and so on, they would control the staff of the regional corporation and, and possibly even works, URP, CPEP, and, and so on. So they would go ahead and try to not alienate these groups of people. So around election time, they can use these same people at their rallies, get them to go to rallies and walk house to house and all that. And um, the people does it also because they know they're guaranteed a job. And at the end of the day, the dysfunction continues. We spin top in mud. Right. So, right. so many of the issues are very political also. And, yeah. and it comes up to the people being really lazy also, you know. They yeah, want yeah. They want easy job guarantees and so on. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a job guarantee, but you should work in a fair manner. But all they do is they kiss ass and try to act cool and be nice and, and so on. You know, um, they, they want to be really friendly and, and, and be popular, you know, so they don't want to say anything to, to upset anyone. And, and this is what we have. Well, it's 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 reflected on social media. Everyone just wants to be the popular guy. No one wants to be, you know, like like you, TJ. I suspect you you're always the unpopular guy in any group because you you seem to speak your mind on issues. But most people are not like you. Over yeah. There. Well, that's the thing. I don't have many friends because I say controversial things. Yeah. Right. So, so so basically, uh, when you you are actually about something serious, and majority of them aren't. And exactly. You know, here's the thing about it, right? People, you know, I grew up with people saying all kinds of things to me and so on. So I basically am I'm more able to accept harsh words. Right. You know? But um, what I notice is if I say something harsh to people, they, they take it to heart and they're hurt and, and they would be so hurt. They would never talk to you the same way they did before because you said that, you know, they're so easily offended. Right. Um, and and um, that's just the thing about it, you know. I, I don't know if it's a thing in this generation or if it's a Trinidadian thing or what, but they're so easily offended and they can't take the truth and and it's like they're afraid to talk to you because they know you will tell them it in a, in a manner that they cannot accept and you know. That's exactly that's exactly what uh what is my my guest my last guest was saying yeah yeah and. Yeah. and you know, one thing I noticed too, um, yes, that's why I say I I um, agree with him to a large extent on what he said about his country, right? However, um, 
I would say that I, I believe the um, average citizens of this country are a little bit um, maybe more intelligent than what he described here. Considering an IQ of 89 compared to 85? I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but that, that 89 um, is, you know, I don't know, this is small population size. <laughs> yes, it is a small population yeah, size. Yes, so that 89 may now be a real 89, you know? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I won't even joke about the intelligence factor because I think it's, um, it's unfortunate, you know? Yeah, I, I agree, agree with you. you. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah, so um, it's sad actually, it's it's very sad. Yeah, it's but, but to be honest, there, there are a lot of um smart Trinidadians, believe it or not. You know, yeah. um, I know a lot of them, um, but it's their upbringing and so on. I guess they their parents didn't beat them the way my parents beat me when I was growing up and so on, you know. That's yeah, 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 <laughs> right. I think we've all been there. Yeah, but, yeah well. but you know, to TJ, it's it's you know we meet a lot of very smart people, but a lot of these very smart people do not want to speak the truth, even though they understand the truth. They understand how the world works, but they are they're 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 in fear. It's it it still comes down very often to a popularity contest. I don't want to be the guy that everyone dislikes. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's true. I and fortunately for me, I don't give a shit about that. I never gave a shit about a popularity contest. And in regards to in regards to Trinidadians being intelligent, I'll tell you what. Individuals, yes. And with everything, it's about individuals. But when, yeah. when there's there's a, a collective, there's a collective mindset, there is a collective ethos, a zeitgeist that is very, very debilitating. It's disgusting. And yeah. this is what I talk about primarily. The, that ethos, that, that dysfunction, that um, uh, the values, it's all about the values at the end of the day. I know very intelligent Trinidadians. I know very intelligent Trinidadians. However, they're just on an individual basis. Yeah. And, um, you know, and also what the other guy was spoke, speaking about in... Um, Suriname about these people and they would have nice houses and and um and they try to look better than everyone else and it's a beauty contest and a popularity contest. It, it, it's it's very similar here, you know. Um let's say the normal middle class Trinidadians like myself, um they would actually um suck up to the rich guys, you know, they would Materialists. They would kiss their asses. They would, they would, you know, it, it, it's they, they just want to be friends with the rich guys and, and, and so on. They kiss their asses and don't sing, you know, just to be popular. So, so materialism is a, is a, is a big deal. And, and oh my God, now that you've mentioned it, you're taking my mind back there. And yeah, it's, it's, it's scary. It's, it's just an uncomfortable feeling that overcomes me. Yeah. I have to think about these things. Yeah. So, so what we have also is that you know the, many of the, the the more well-off individuals who has the appearance of um of wealth and popularity, they they really don't have any real friends. To be honest, they 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 might think they do, but um your friend isn't doing you a favor out of the goodness of their their hearts. They're just kissing your ass because they think they look 
yeah. popular climbing. They think they, think they they think they can eat off the eat the crumbs off the master's table, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking to someone last night, and we got into a very deep conversation about Trinidad, and he said something that that made it's it's a constant reminder. But hey, dude, majority of people want to get out of this shithole, just like you have. And it's 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 a it's a it stings. I'll be honest with you, it stings. And because I always have to be reminded, oh shit. Yeah, but you know what happens, and they bring the shithole here. Yeah, yeah, they fail to assimilate, and um, they bring their shitty behavior and their uh, their values over here, and. Uh, I don't know if you've you were if you've driven through, uh, let's just say Queens lately, the oh, last yeah. two years, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, it's a shithole. It's become yeah. a shithole. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a third world with the garbage all over the place and the, the even the behavior of the the, the residents. The, this the this West Indians, that, you mean? Yeah, the West Indians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a section in the Bronx where um, it's all Jamaicans. If you go there, you see nothing. It's little Jamaica. I don't yeah. remember what the name of, the, of, the, of this little town is, but it's literally all Jamaica. And you go in there and you would swear you're in some ghetto in Jamaica. Right, right. You come to yeah. Queens and you go to Liberty Avenue in Richmond Hill, which is primarily Guyanese and Trinidadians. And you see somewhat of, maybe not as, you know, uh, aggressive, but you see the same same mannerisms in terms of, of the littering and, and, and the loitering at the street corner and all of that stuff. Oh yeah, the corner huggers and, and yeah. oh yeah, the 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 uh the washcloth in the in the back of the pocket with the uh the gold chains. Oh yeah. Um yeah, you see all that shit. sometimes I leave my neighborhood and just go over there just to observe and to to get a a, a gentle reminder. I sit, I park, and I just watch. I observe. And this is, I'm not kidding. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's and, a, it's and a you know, Sorry, go that, ahead, TJ. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I haven't really, um, really entertained the talk about migrating. I, you know, sometimes I feel like um, I would be embarrassing myself to a point that... Um, you know, I, I say that, but maybe I should just stay right here, you know. Well, I tell you what, if you have certain amenities and you can afford life down there without being um, subjected to violence and you can live life comfortably in Trinidad, because to be honest with you, that's the dream, dude. It's, it's the dream. You're living the dream life. If you can do that, what the hell are you coming over here for? Insulate yourself from the violence and the stupidity of, of the other Trinidadians. If you can yeah, do those yeah, things, yeah. you're good. Life, and the people think life in the United States is all fucking peaches and cream. No. You, it's, it's a different work ethic, okay? There are different values, and you have to work for what you, you, what you want. You have to make an effort. And life over here is a lot harder than it is in, in, in Trinidad. Yeah, so I've been told. So a lot of Trinidadians, they come over here and be like, oh, you know, you know, Trinidad is, is, is a lot better. I don't know why I left them. Just because your work ethic sucks, dude. Like, come on. Well, I have, um, 
I have relatives who who basically they travel back and forth, you know. Right. Um. So, but um, what they said um last time, my relative was um heading back to the states um. We said, well, um, have a good trip home, you know, and and um, she was like, um, no, this is here, Trinidad is home. Yeah. So what the fuck are you doing in the United States? You see, that's the shit I talk about. That, yeah. that dual citizenship and that yeah. um, dual loyalty shit. Like you got to pick yeah, one, no, get off the no, fence. You, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'll be yeah. honest with you. My 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 interest in Trinidad is is primarily well, <laughs> it's multifaceted. I would like I would like to be. Um, I would like to be a, a voice for Trinidad for the better. Um, I would like to be their most foremost, uh, their, their foremost philosopher and um, voice on social topics. Um, but for the most part, it was about uh, real estate and investments and stuff like that. And, and yeah, that's it. That, that's, that's as far as my, my loyalties to Trinidad is concerned, but I cannot be loyal to dysfunction. I yeah. cannot identify, and I refuse to identify and 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 be be well, in atonement with 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 this function. I I, I want to admit something to you. I I don't re, I cannot have any recall of um when is Republic Day, Independence Day, and so on because right. it means nothing to me. Right, right, right. Yeah, I asked that question. You guys have seen me ask that question before. What makes the average Trinidadian? What is it that makes the average Trinidadian patriotic? What values are there that forces you or, or makes you feel a sense of, of patriotism? And a lot of it has to do with childhood nostalgia, the way you grew up. And I am, I am a victim of that too. I loved life in Trinidad as a child. It was beautiful. It was blissful. But then you grow up and you start looking at Trinidad from, from a different perspective, like, holy fucking shit. And then you ask yourself, was this there when I was there? And the answer is yes, it's been always that way. It's always been that way, sorry. And um, you, you were just a child and you just didn't recognize it. You couldn't recognize it. Yeah, and that's the thing about it. Um, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm part home, I'm hopeless with regards to improving the, the, the status in this country because um, the state of this nation will never change. I was reading some comments. I, I like to read comments of certain articles online. You know, um, I read the article, but I, I consider the comments actually more enlightening than the article itself. Um, an economist made the um, suggestion that maybe we should get rid of our local currency and just use U.S. dollars. Right? Oh, that's interesting. Um. He says it would give the central bank less um, space to interfere and, and, and devalue the currencies and all these kind of negative things, you know, borrow and so on in a careless manner. So anyway, um, I was reading the comments and I would say about 80 to 90% of the comments, uh, not even 80%, probably 90%. Um, everyone was saying, um, oh, we don't want empire here. And, and, oh, and, my God. And, oh, my God. And, and it's about the United States and their domination. And Dude, basically the people that fucking feed you, okay, and protect you. It's disgusting because to begin with, it has nothing to do with the United States. Every 
uh, Trinidad dollar is own is is really backed by a US dollar. You know, Trinidadian dollar right. basically is a US dollar diluted. Yes, yes, and 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 let me let me clarify what it is I mean by the people that feed you and and protect you. Um, the truth is, and this this goes back to some absurd comments that I, that I I was privy to before about about America being an empire. Yes, the forefathers were not about empire, but you would be a fucking dumbass to think that there is no empire and and it's 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 not an empire. It's just what how how um, civilizations wax and wane. It's about empire it's, and and it, these same people, okay who talk about, oh, you know, Trinidad, I'm sorry, the United States was not built on empire. They are quick to, to quote, uh, what's his name? Um, John Perkins, uh, the, the, the one who wrote uh, the, the Confessions of an Economic Hitman, who's telling you, okay, that America is an empire, but it's different. It's, 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 it's a Neolithic uh, type of, um, not Neolithic, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a Neo type of, uh, empire okay where they do things a little bit different in in terms of of how they acquire and amass resources but to clarify what i meant by the people who feed you majority of of uh trinidad's imports is from america yeah and you know i was talking to uh, uh, um given that we, we spoke about islam earlier here um, I was actually speaking to an individual a couple of years ago, and um, this person said to me, you know, well, America this, America so evil, so on and so on. I can't remember the exact words, it was so long ago, but I gave her a, remi a, a reminder that the liberties that she has experienced in Trinidad and Tobago has nothing to do with what, what, what our security services can provide. Mm -hmm. But the peace that we experience here is based on the strength of the United States. That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm telling you, if not for the United States, we would have been speaking Spanish. We would have been a Venezuelan territory, and today we wouldn't have any food. Yeah, to, 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 to a great degree, I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, the the anti the Trinidadians anti-American sentiment is just totally absurd and unfounded. As a matter of fact, a, a friend of mine, um, uh, he has his own YouTube channel, Brook Potter. Uh, you guys, you guys probably know who he is. Um, and for those who don't, look him up, uh, uh, Brook Potter. He has his own podcast as well. He made a video about that about Trinidadian, or he mentioned it in one of his podcasts that Trinidadians and their their anti-American sentiments is just totally ridiculous and unfounded but you know growing up well and i'm talking from a very young age i'm i would say maybe between the ages of maybe five to ten years old right that would be where at five years old you're maybe now getting your bearings in place you know now, now beginning to think on your own and so on starting to feel your stones kind of thing yeah, yeah so <laughs> I could always remember people having very positive things to say about the United States. Absolutely. My, father, my father was one of them. He, they, they used to call him Captain America. He was always in the United States. You know, they, they dubbed him Captain America. Yeah. So um, 
I think the, the whole um, rhetoric changed after the um, invasion in, into Iraq and so on. Um, because, you know, I, I, I never really heard too much anti-American sentiment. If you look at our culture, right, our, the way we dress and so on, right? Well, anyway, most of us, are, I wouldn't say the ghetto guys, but the styles are truly very American. Afro-American. Um, well, well, well. There are people who who dress and 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 so on. I, I would say, like myself and many of my friends, my family, and so on. They take, for example, the, the jean styles, the jeans fit that we wear. You know, the, the shirts that we wear. Um, you know, many of us might wear polo. We we you know the style is is very American for a lot of us, right? Right, um, right, right. But there are the factions that would wear their pants hanging down, and they would have grow their hair in a in a manner that's yes Afro, you know. But um, but what I'm saying is the, the many of the styles that we know and, and come about came from under the influence of the United States, right? Oh yeah. However, this anti-American sentiment may have came about around the early two thousands. It's the possible. internet, the internet's a big, um, big factor in that too. Spreading. Yes, well, uh, around that time, more and more people got internet. Yeah, spreading liberalism. I mean, yeah, it's it's possible. It's possible to say that to attribute the anti-American sentiments to that era, to that time time period. But yeah. um, as far as I can remember, people calling my dad Captain America was always in jest. Okay, it was always in jest, which kind of moves me to think that, you know, it was it was there even back then when I was a child. I'm talking about tender age of four or five years old. Okay, um, so even back in the 80s, you know, they would call you a freshwater Yankee and all that kind of stuff, right? But, but um, yeah, the the. The anti the, the influence of a first world nation. America is a first world nation. Trinidad happens to be a third world nation, and everything that a first world nation does, positive and negative, and unfortunately for Trinidad, it's primarily the negative stuff, trickles down into a third world nation. And you see this. You 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 would you would see this in any third world nation: Jamaica, Guyana, Barbados, Grenada. This is what you're going to see. Because what, what, what exactly is the third world watching on television? Stuff that comes from the first world, whether it be the United States. Well, primarily it's going to be the United States. Before it used to be the UK. It used to be Britain. Okay. All the television shows used to be Brit British television shows. I don't know if you guys remember this. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah, that's, that's primarily what, what, what occurs. So, so it's just it's just the machinations and the effects of a first world having on third world nations. That's what I chalk it up to. Probably, um, and uh, I I'm thinking that at one point in time, my entire family probably wanted to go to the United States. You know, of course, of course, because yeah, because, that, that uh, would be in the '90s, I believe. Yeah, that would be in the early '90s. It started one of my aunts. She went. She migrated to the United States. Um, lived a, a pretty good life down there. Um, one of my uncle went. Right, she sponsored him. He went. Um, 
Yeah, but everybody basically, you know, they 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 were all very American. I I I guessing. So I, honestly, I I I think the Trinidad, the average Trinidadian, they they were so gullible. That's what made them go kind of sort of anti-American. Yeah. Well, majority well, of them. Most have to complain about, right? What 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 my one of my siblings uh, reminded me that majority of uh, of Trinidadians, as a matter of fact, not just my sibling, the guy last that I was talking to, and several other people. Reminded me that a majority of Trinidadians cannot get a visa to come to America, and this is disillusioning for them. I don't know how true that, that could be. That could also be. Yeah. So, switching gears a little bit. Um, I don't know if you guys were on on uh, Trinidad Renaissance group in uh, in. On Facebook today, but we got to give it up to for uh, Luke Benny, man. He asked a very important question today. I don't know if you guys were privy to that. I think I. Uh, now, I Luke Benny, I call him Benny. Um, I knew him when I was a kid. Let me tell you, man, great kid. He was an awesome kid. Um, um, what can I say? He was one of those tykey little kids, always getting into trouble, but not bad trouble where you know. Uh, he he got expelled or anything like that. He was just he was just a you know a cute, tykey little kid that that you know had some rough edges and shit like that. But he was always fun and always funny, and for the most part, I think he still retained some of that those traits. And he asked a very important question today about um my uh, about Africanism. I don't know if you guys saw that. I did actually. Well, I was very busy today, so. Uh, I wasn't able to really um see everything, you know, um, but I did see a conversation where a guy was asking if you were con um basically condemning a whole race or something like that. Um, yeah, it was. I don't think it was him. Was it? Was it him? Uh -huh. are you, who are you referring to? Uh, I I can't remember the guy's name. There was a, a debate today. I think it was in Trinidad Renaissance. You, you were you were having a debate. Yeah, yeah, it was. It might Benny. be the same same thread, yeah. Luke Benny, yeah, yeah man. I, I listen, man. We got to give it up for Luke Benny, man. He asked a, a very important question. Okay. Much kudos to him. Yeah, um, I'll I'll have to go back and have a look at them. He said he, he I got it right in front of me here. He says, "What is Africanism? Can you substantiate that all Africans are violent people? I'm just curious. I'm sure humans on the whole are violent." Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you what do you think about that? What, what would your response to that be? I would say that um, there are violence. There are violent people in every race. However, um, statistically, there is more a higher level of or degree of violence, a much higher degree of violence amongst the African community. And why do you say why do you say that? Um, I mean, statistically, it shows, you know, right. And and um, it's um, I, I can't agree with the actual um facts you presented in your video. You can't now, agree, you said. I sorry, I can't disagree. Sorry, I I cannot disagree. Oh, okay. What you said in the video. Now, um, it's it's unfortunate, you know, but um, there's no disagreeing with the facts. Yeah. Well. Well. Well, you know, many people, 
and, and listen, and the, the, I'll, I have to, I have to come clean, and I'll be honest with with my audience. Um, this is not about bashing Africans. This is not about bashing Afro Trinidadians. This is not about racism or anything like that. This is actually out of care and concern to see something, to see a change for the better, right? And the only way we could make a change for the better as a collective, individually, is to acknowledge the truth, acknowledge the facts. How else are we gonna make a change if we are unable to face the facts? And last night, what's his name? Garth Christopher, I don't know. I remember, Anna, you, you were on that as well, right? You, you, you were witness, you bore witness to that. I did, I did, yes. He, he, he <laughs> a belligerent Trinidadian, and it's, oh, you you can't say anything about Trinidad. You don't come here with that. But, and dude, how else are you gonna are you gonna you know affect change if you're unable to accept the truth, accept the facts? This is the only way that you're ever gonna make a change, right? Well, well these are people that uh, want to stay mired in the environment the way they see it, the way they perceive their environment to be, not the way it's perceived outside of them. Right, and which is, which is, much, which is much more important. Uh, TJ, what do you think? Yeah, no, what I would say is, is this. We cannot, um, we cannot argue with the facts, right? The fact is clear. I mean, it's staring us right in the face. Um, I mean, just put on the TV and look at the news, you know? Um, right. So, so the, the thing about it is this, though. Um, as we said before, it's not to create an offense because, to be honest, um, I know a lot of African people, right? And the truth about them is, at this point in my life, every one of them I know are not violent people, right? But the statistics, it doesn't change the statistics. And all I'm saying is that um, for the benefit of the country and the benefit of, of the African community also, and the entirety of Trinidad, we, we just need to look at the reality of things and we need to understand why and, and figure out why this is happening and we need to change it. I agree. What do you think about it, Anna? What do you, what do you say? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, um, the, yeah, it's not the majority of, of Africans that's violent. Yeah. It just happens to be that they commit the majority of violent crime and people don't seem to understand. And like TJ just pointed out, most black people we know, all of us are not. I don't think any of us know, 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 know uh, an African person that goes out killing and, and maiming and, and robbing people. We won't befriend them. <laughs> and uh, I mean, and we all c collectively know probably dozens and dozens, tens of dozens of African people that we've come across in our lives. But it's that small group that goes unchecked. Right. And that's, that's, that's where I go with it. It's it, the very people that we know who are not committing the violent crimes are the apologists. Exactly. Unfortunately, they're the ones who maintain and sustain a victim narrative. They make excuses for the criminal element and uh, they, they perpetuate the victimology, the victim narrative, the victim virus, I call it. Okay. It's <laughs> a good way of putting it. Um, that, Taran, do you find that to be the case with, with, with uh, your, your uh, African friends? Yeah, well, that, um, that's one of the... Um 
unfortunate part is that mm. most of them they I guess they would not accept I guess they would not accept um most most of them would not accept the reality you know, the, the the truth about what um what we said here but um i'm just saying it in a manner that i am it's not there to hurt anyone but it's there to, so that we recognize there's an issue and fix this right 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 exactly and i, I and i want to second that i listen i'm going to say it again keep reiterating this has nothing to do with racism. This has to do with accepting reality and dealing with it. Okay. I've made, I've, I've embarked on, on, on a, a journey of making, making a series called the face of Trinidad, the face of a violent crime is African. And I've, I've completed two installments of the three. I'm still working on the third one. And it's, 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 uh, it's intended to, to stop bullshit, stop the bullshit, stop hiding and stop burying your heads in the sand. Trinidad has an African problem. It has an, an African violence problem and needs that needs to be addressed. And this, you know, Taran, maybe you could speak to this, but Trinidadians, Trinidadians, for some reason, they have this, uh, this, 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 uh, mindset that they're, they ought not to speak about race. Do you, what is that about? I am. Yeah, I can um, understand that um, it's, it's, they're uncomfortable because they're afraid to be painted as a racist. Right, right. So, right. so go ahead. You were saying something? No, I was just agreeing with TJ. Yeah. So yeah. So there's this great discomfort. Um, you, you don't want to go down as being a racist and um. In the world we live in, I mean, especially when you look at CNN news, it's easy to feel that someone would accuse you of being racist. I mean, that that's where the um the left leaning media and the, the whole leftist movement they they're basically pushing this whole thing about if you call it out, you're a racist. Right. If you acknowledge um, reality, you're a racist. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, um, the, the question is. How was Donald Trump? How is Donald Trump a racist? Was it because he acknowledged certain things during the election the campaign? Right. You understand what I'm saying? Exactly. I, I think he did say something like that. He did say, "Um, you know, your um, your your um, neighborhood is a mess. Everything's a mess. Um, you've been voting for the Democrat Party um so long. Um, what do you have to lose?" And they were offended by it. Um. And where did that offense come from? I, he, he wasn't lying. You understand him? He, he yeah. just said everything is dilapidated for the past 50 years. You have right. nothing to lose. Right? right, right, right. And what did the left-wing media do? They, they painted the comment as racist and that how he was bigoted and he was putting the um, people down, you know? Right, mm -hmm. right. So, yeah. so, you know, it's this whole thing about um, if you recognize or you call something out, you're a racist. Yeah, it's I I tend to liken it to what happens with feminists and with women in general. The minute you you point out or you critique them, or you 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 speak on your observations of female behavior, you're automatically you automatically hate women. You're bashing women. You hate your mom. You probably can't get laid. Women don't want you. Um, you're gay. You're gay. All sorts of like, like I, I, I call it psychological guesswork. 
and um, shaming tactics. It's the same thing with, with speaking on African violence and terrorism in Trinidad. You know, they employ these shaming tactics and psychological guesswork, and it always results in, in, in ad hominems and ad hominem attacks, insults, and, and uh, you know, facetiousness. Threats. Oh, yeah, threats and facetiousness. You know, and I wanted, you know, now that we're on the topic, I, I wanted, I have to keep saying this because, you know, it's, it's very important that people understand that, dude, Trinidad, Trinidad, Trinidadians, please listen carefully. Okay, you guys have a serious problem. You guys have an African problem, an African problem. Be objective and listen carefully. This is nothing racist. You have to observe. This is about values. The person that's speaking here cares about philosophy, values, ethics, and morality. That's all I care about. So when I say that you have an African problem, Okay, I'm just thinking in terms of values, morals, and ethics. Okay, that's all you guys need to think about, right? And when I say you, Trinidad has an African problem, what I mean is the, in, the very fabric of Trinidadian society is woven in Africanism. And I was making that point today. And so Benny ask the question, what is Africanism, right? And Africanism is basically a sociocultural evolutionary expression that is inveterate to every single African nation. Um, I don't want to go too long, but, and I want to give you guys a chance to chime in, but there are no successful African nations, not one, okay? As a matter of fact, there was this Nigerian that, that uh, wrote an article demonstrating and, and, and discussing this. There's not one successful African nation. And I would say unfortunately, and the reason why I say unfortunately is because Trinidadians, you have an African problem, the way you think, the way you interact with each other, the brashness, the, the touchy prides and the hair trigger violence, okay? The, the entire moral landscape, what morality? The lack of duty of care, which is basically giving a shit about your fellow man, the way you do business, okay? The way you guys govern, even your leaders, whether they be Indian, whether they be African, whether they be something in between, are all affected by the heavy influence of Africanism. I agree with you. Yeah, well, um, I guess that's the reality now. Um, um, I personally, when I, I speak, I, I, I try to, to keep my phrase a little bit different so I don't, um, how could I put it? Um, You're afraid to offend. Yes, yes. I understand. You know, um, I don't want to create like um, hurt and, uh, and feelings of um, distrust and, and so on. So I... I, you know, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't use the term, well, um, African problem because, you know, I, um, if I hurt them, then they would not really listen to me. They would, they would basically, they would crawl to curl into their shell and, and basically, you know. Um, yeah, well, I find that, I find Trinidadians feeling hurt or being offended is quite disingenuous when considering the, the everyday goings on in that country. 
they're hurt by someone pointing out the facts, pointing out the reality. Dude, yeah. Trinidad is, man, it's saddening though. It's, it's heartbreaking. It, it really is heartbreaking. And especially you know, for me, a person that's invested, invested in it because I have this, this emotional investment and nostalgia of how I grew up in Trinidad. It's fucking heartbreaking. And it's not, it's with a heavy heart that I, that I actually talk about this. Right. Right. Um, when you when you when you when we when we look at Trinidadian Trinidadian society from an anthropological perspective, you, what you see is the syncretism and the acculturation, the hybridity that goes on in there, and the you know, you have distinct cultures that blend together to create to, to that are supposed to create a new idea and custom, you know, and and it does not happen. Okay, it just does not happen. Um, if you look at carnival, carnival is basically African culture. Okay, we're talking about the overly sexualized antics and behavior. Okay, we're talking about the licentiousness, the fornication uh, that, that that goes on, and 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 you know, this is just what it is. And you could see this all over the Caribbean basin. So it's not just Trinidad that has an African problem; it's the entire Caribbean basin that has an African problem. Jamaica has an African problem. Well, uh, I'll tell you about this um, this whole carnival thing and so on. I guess uh, when, when you attend the um, primary school or elementary school or whatever you, you call it in the States, um, they, um, they basically teach you uh, and they, they put it into your head that basically Calypso and carnival and, and, and you know, that's all part of being a Trinidadian. Yes, 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 that it's, and, it's um, part of your culture. You know, and the, the thing about me is that I always grew up um, different in a sense that I, I never fit in with, with the, what most people say. Um, I remember in primary school, um, it was standard five. People were speaking about music and what music they like and, and, and soca song. They had soca back then, but maybe Calypso, I'm not sure. And, um, you know, I, 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 and they spoke about chutney and this and that. And to be honest, I was never really into none of those, um, music and so on. So they asked me, um, what about you, Taron? Right. And I was like, um, basically I was like, um, you know, I was lost. I, I'm not into the, those types of music, you know? Right. Um, and there was uh, my teacher quoted someone, um, a person who some things about music is not not a person or something like that. I can't even remember. It was so long ago. And um, basically, um, it, you know, it's it's almost like a shaming. You know, yeah, they yeah, put you under a, a mass level of peer pressure, so you would fall in line with with. Yeah, with yeah. Part of um, carnival and so on. Right, right. Uh, yeah, carnival. Carnival. I call it Stone Age behavior. It is an. It's. It's. It's the socio-cultural evolutionary expression of Stone Age people. You. You don't find this anywhere else. And you know, I'm gonna try to explain. If you guys don't mind. Yeah, it's my show, but you know, I have to have respect for you guys. But. Um, Go right ahead. To answer to. <laughs> 
to answer uh, Luke Benny's question, I, I he asked me what Africanism refers to, and I said African re Africanism refers to the sociocultural evolutionary expressions of the African. This includes song, dance, social organization, administration, jurisprudence, or the lack thereof, social interaction, and traits that are inveterate to hunter-gathering, pastoralism, agrarianism, and horticulturalism. So, so what, what it is, what, what, what Africanism is, is basically, I'm sorry, Trinidad, it's the, the lowest, lowest, lowest form of human existence. I'm sorry. And this is just what it is. Okay. And you can find this example, not just in song and dance, but with jurisprudence, the way you conduct yourselves with your laws, the, t the, the mere fact that you guys have no regards for laws. Okay. It's, it's there, you know? Um, so, so sociocultural evolutionary expressions are unique to each specific racial and ethnic group and a stadial progression can be found when contrasting. What, what that means is, basically, let's look at song and dance. Irish song and dance or Italian song and dance would not look like the Austro-Abo or Austra Australian Aboriginal, Aborigine song and dance, okay? There's a progression, okay? Um, help me out here, Anna and TJ. You guys understand what it is I'm saying. Um, you, you, you find you find you don't find when you contrast Africans to Indians, there's a stadial progression right there in song and dance. And, and this includes values. This well, in well, you know, if we if we take if we talk about dance, just dance alone, which to me is a is a huge I agree with you, a huge indicator of a race or uh, their their progression. Um, no other race, in, in no other race is their dance as sexualized, as vulgar, as right. indecent as, as the African dance. And, and any part of the world you go, right. right now, you see the same representation of African dance. Right. It's one woman trying to outdo the other as to how right. vulgar she can be. Oh, you, wrote, you, you read that, uh, that piece that I wrote. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm doing research for my book, uh, the sociocultural evolutionary uh, stagnation or regression of of the of the African, and I came across some very compelling information. And sorry, I'm sorry, Taran, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I came came across some 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 research, and of course, people are not going to like it, you know. But this is I said, you know, Trinidad, take a look at yourself. Most of the native dances witnessed by the explorers were of a voluptuous type. One must make allowance for the fact that there was a reserve about sexual matters in Europe during a part of the 19th century. And Livingston, as a missionary, could not be expected to approve. But Spica, du, du Chailu, and Finn were, that, were, were what are called men of the world, and they too regarded these dances as grossly obscene. Spica... For instance, saw a dance of the Mahdi at a place east of the Nile, some 30 miles beyond its outflow from the Albert Nyanza. He, he says, quote, a more indecent or savage spectacle I never witnessed, he remarked. The men and women made the most grotesque and obscene motions for one another. 
and another says his name is Schweinfurth says of, of, of a bongo dance the license of their revelry is of so gross a character that the representation or the drawing he had an illustrator of one of my interpreters must be suppressed it made a common market woman drop her eyes and called up a blush even to a poor capper's cheek du chailu abominated what he saw at a dance of the kami tribe the people lost all control at the sound of the tom-tom the louder and more energetically the horrid drum is beaten the wilder are the jumps of the male african and the more disgustingly indecent the contortions of the woman of the women on other and on another occasion women of the same tribe performed such dances as are not seen elsewhere every woman was furiously tipsy and thought it a point of honor to be more indecent than her neighbor we know what what, what they're talking about we see it all the time in the rap music we see oh, it all yeah. in the in the jamaican ragadaga and the soca music women women what they winding up and they're very acting very loose okay and they're tr- they're literally trying to outdo each other. It's a regular Friday and Saturday night. Uh, right. right. It, it really is. It's Stone Age behavior. He continues, at a dance of a group of women in the Orongu tribe, to attain the greatest possible indecency of attitude seemed to be the ambition of all six. If the scene were witnessed in an, a lunatic asylum, Livingston writes, of a Makoloka dance, it would be nothing out of the way and quite appropriate even. Finn tells us that the Zulu dancers make the most indecent gestures. The songs, too, which accompany the dancing, are the most indecent kind. Trinidad, this is, this is your culture. This is part of the African sociocultural uh, uh, expression of dance. Uh, of dance. And there, I, I actually came across uh, several examples saying basically the same thing and um which i which i'm going to be using i'm not going to disclose here i i plan on releasing a video uh, talking about the same thing but this is this is this is just part of the cultural imprint of the african and i'm not the first to say this i'm not the first one to say this at all as a matter of fact i think morgan job used to used to say the same thing morgan job said the same things. I think uh, Naipaul and, and, and the Mask of Africa, he wrote the same shit, okay? And, and, and uh, you know, of course, the, cr- the critics are gonna say, oh, they're looking at it from the, from the uh, perspective and through the eyes of, um, of the European. Do you, what would you say about that, Anna? Well, how else? Exactly, how else? Who, who else is, it's, it's, it, the, the way I look at it is like this. The human brain has the capacity to study itself, right? And it's the same thing with looking at things from a European lens. Who else is has the capacity to go study other things? Are you Trinidadian going out and studying other, other cultures? Or are you interested in studying yourselves? Well, um, the thing about it is as, as being a human being, right? I would say that it is part of being human, whether, whether you consider it from a religious point of view or an evolutionary point of view. It, it doesn't change it. Being in the state we are, we're supposed to have the ability to study our behavior and actions and exercise 
better decisions and actions. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. It, like it, it, it's it's basically saying, can we please be civilized? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and reflection, self-reflection, and all of that stuff. Just always trying to be better tomorrow than we were today. Right, but but you know, sociocultural evolutionary uh, expressions of the African is not limited or restricted to song and dance, mind you. You know, of course. As it pertains to his question, uh, violence is a part of the African's cultural imprint, which can be traced all the way back to its genesis in the uh, savannas of Africa, and. It sounds, I know a lot of people are like, oh, this is racist. And no, tribal warfare, okay? We're talking about values here. Tribal warfare, which refers to organization, how African society is organized, is very evident and is the hallmark. It's the hallmark trait of the hunter-gatherer. Africans organize themselves societally in such a manner where conflict and violence is a part of everyday existence. And this can be seen whenever anything that is that has esteemed or is assigned value is introduced. And this could be anything from clothing or fashion. I don't know if you, you remember, uh, TJ, about, you know, sneakers. These people, they, they go crazy over fucking sneakers. And they'll kill over sneakers. Okay? Drugs. They'll kill over drugs. They'll kill over even music. West Coast, East Coast, look at, look at what, it's the same thing with, uh, with Jamaican music, okay? It hasn't, luckily, I don't know, but it hasn't trickled down into Trinidadian society with soca music, you know? They'll kill over women, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah. I guess, uh, I think most of the murders with fighting um, over drugs and, and money. But um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, you know. Um, well, and, again, and again, I'd like to say that um, we can all do better collectively as a nation or as right. a particular community. Right, right, right. You have to ask yourselves, what are the, what are the positives of African culture? What are the positives? And, and many people are going to be like, oh, well, there's food. Dude, no, we're not talking about culture in that regard. We're talking about values, morality, ethics, how we ought to live, how the Trinidadian ought to live. Should we follow the African model? Let's, let's talk about it. What's good about African culture? The abortion rate, the illegitimacy rate, this, the, 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 the rate of single mother parented homes. What else is there, guys? Well, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, <laughs> violence. The, the violence, violence and, and the violence, which, you know, it's, it's a, it's a uh, in part, it's a byproduct of the single, single mothering. Right, right. Which, uh, you know, it's another can of worms to open up there. Right. Let's, what, what are we talking about here? The, the work ethic. The value for education. What else right. is there? I, I, I just want someone to give me one good thing about African culture. And I'll shut the hell up, man. And I'll leave Trinidadians alone. Because I think because African culture is so, so influential in Trinidad, that this is the reasons why you see the same shit over and over. 
-hmm. It's an African hellscape. And if you don't believe me, take a look at any other African nation. Take a look at the richest Africans on the planet, African-Americans, and you would see the same thing. I agree, yeah. It's the same model, replicated all over the world. And, and you know, there, are, there is violence among other racial and ethnic groups, but it is not nearly as rampant as it is with Africans. Yeah, it's um, unfortunate, but, um, yeah. Uh, we, as I said, we, we can't deny can't deny that. But um, at the end of the day, um, it's really for the um, African community to recognize the issues and um, and try to correct it. I don't think it's just the African African uh, community. I think every single Trinidadian needs to understand that he or she, he and she has been affected by African culture. The way, the way Trinidadians talk, the way they're, they're always on edge, quick to blow up and, and get irate. And, and you know, the, the, that's, dude, even the politicians exhibit the same thing. And I mean, all of them, okay? You, 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 you listen to, to Garth Christopher, whatever his name is, right? <laughs> you listen to Garth Christopher and you, you, you look at the back and forth between him and, and uh, What's his name? Philip Edward Alexander. And both of them are exhibiting Africanism. It's, it's just African behavior left and right. You know? It's a conversation that definitely needs to be had nationally. But um, is it ever going to happen? I'm doubtful. I'm hopeful. Um, I, I commend what you're trying to do. I wish you good luck. Um, and I hope that you, you, it bears some fruit. I'll well, be yeah. honest with you. I'm not optimistic that it will because I of what think, you're dealing with. Well, I, I, because I'm dealing with Africans, with Africanism is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I, I, I would also like to add, it's, it's not just Africanism, but it's leftism. Well, the leftism, the leftism is the icing on the cake. The leftism is, is what, no, what, which is what normalizes the Africanism. And what I mean by that is, is that oh, they feel it's acceptable? Yes, they make it acceptable that it's okay. And no, it's not okay. This is what's destroying you from the inside out. Just imagine the bill itself, the bill that just recently passed, right? Majority of people are, are uh, resistant to the bill, right? And so are the politicians, you get what I'm saying? The, the politicians are a reflection of the people. Yeah. Okay. The, the populace is, they're not going to accept the bill. What makes you think that, the, that your leaders are going to accept the bill? How is this related to Africanism? It's just the mode of corruption. It's the mode of, of you go first kind of shit. You know, like it, it's, it's, it never goes anywhere. Nothing ever gets done. And this can be seen in any African nation. The level of corruption is outrageous. Yeah. Well, it is. It's, it's worse in, 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 in the African continent than it is well, in Trinidad. I do believe that um, I was told that India also has a rampant um, corruption issue also. Oh, yeah. They, they, they steal all the time. And, and thank you for playing devil's advocate. I appreciate that. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. But um, the difference there is, uh, you want to you want to point out the difference, Anna? Violent crime. They they, they don't right. have uh, violent crime. It's not rampant. Yeah. The truth yeah. is, the truth is, okay. I don't give a shit about what you steal or anything like that, unless as long as you don't steal what's mine. Right. And I, I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, where, where, whereby I don't have to be looking over my shoulder and, and thinking someone's going to come kill me. And, and, you know, I, you know, if someone doesn't like something that I'm wearing, they're going to assault me, whether, it, whether, it, whether it is because, because of a crime of opportunity or for sport. And this is, this is, this is something that's very African as well. Africans commit crimes, not just of opportunity, but for sport. And by sport, I mean for shits and giggles. They just do crazy shit just to make fun of people. The knockout game. And this can be seen in Trinidad all the time. Taran, am I making this up? Can't, do you not see this in, in Trinidad? Well, I, I saw it a lot in school. Yeah. I saw it a lot in school. And for those of you who, who, who are in, still in denial, man, just take a look around you. Take a look around you. That's, that's pretty much, I think I've exhausted it. I don't know, but um, I, I was um, on my way home in a taxi. And um, I was speaking to this guy and um, he was an African guy, but he's a good guy. You're a good, decent guy and everything. Most of them are. Yeah. So um, he was telling me that um, he was basically describing that, um, you know, when he see other African guys and so on, they would ring up their faces for him. They would twist up their faces for him and watch him like, you know, it's it's beef. They have some kind of beef now, you know, and they're like total strangers to him. You know, he don't know them and he says he, it's something he will never understand why the behavior is like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but, um, I mean, he, he actually brought up, he actually started that topic, um, you know, but I didn't really say anything, you know, it's a touchy, it's a touchy conversation there. Um, but, um, he, one thing he did fall back to his, he said he don't, doesn't know what the white man did to make them become like that. Oh, okay. You know, so again, um, he like I said, while he did recognize it, he he basically turned around and blamed the white guy for that action. You know, um, and funny thing is, he didn't know what he was blaming the white man for, but somehow they just yeah. You know, so I I, I don't get why there's you know the, that's the one part I don't understand why why piggyback, you know, um. Whether there was slavery or you know um there was slavery, but um I don't get why after how long has it been two hundred years or something a hundred years or something um let's, let's put it this way it's been a very long time yeah you know um you you should know better by now you know you shouldn't be able to to say well this person did that to you and that's why we behave this way you know right it's not a good excuse you know um yeah yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's and it's 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 you can liken it to uh, a twenty or a twenty-five year old uh, Jewish person today saying that the reason they are not doing well or they're stagnated or they have these poor values and they don't value education or or the family unit and all that stuff, they blame it on on the Holocaust. 
it would be ridiculous if they yeah. did. You know, enough time has passed for everyone to go to school or, or, or make the right decision, you know, to, to, to come back out of it. So that's what I'm saying, you know. Let's not use these things as an excuse. And, um, to be better citizens, yeah. To not yeah. be better citizens, yeah. Yeah. So. And, and, you know, listen, we can get a little sentimental for, for a second and say we should be better people for our children oh, and yeah. their children. You know, we, we have to break the cycle of dysfunction and, uh, and just, you know, start a new cycle of something better, whatever. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be a 180, but you have to break certain habits and certain cycles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So uh, last thing I wanted to talk about was um, uh, the kid that got uh, murdered, the 16-year-old kid that got murdered, got shot. And uh, I think it was the Beatham or Lavento. Yeah. yeah. I think it was in Lavento. Lavento, I think. So um, what's his name? I don't, I don't know the gentleman's name, but he was on CNC3 talking about gun seizures. Yeah. Um, he was basically saying that, um, that guns are responsible for his murder. What do you guys think about that? Well, um, you, you can't blame gun. I mean, the, the, gun, the gun is an inanimate object, right? You know, a person by his own free will decided to take a gun and kill someone, you know. Choice. Choice. Well, I, don't, I mean, I, I, I'm not too sure about the, the, the details, whether or not he was a target or he just happened. It was a, I don't know, um, what do you call this thing? He was a, a bystander or something like that. Well, well, from what, what I read is that he was robbed for his cell phone. That's what the police said, but I'm not so sure about that. I don't buy that. Oh, so a, a cell phone is, is, is assigned value. Yeah, it is, but um, you have to understand that uh, um, everybody, and this, this goes beyond race, right? Everyone thinks their kid is a good guy. I'm not right. saying that. I'm not saying that that's the case, but but everyone thinks their kid is a good guy. Trust me, I've seen this. I've seen. I've seen. I've experienced people who have lied on me, and their parents would swear it's not true, and and that oh, yeah. never happened, and and He's so. He's a good boy. He's a yeah. good boy. He's um, a good boy. You know. So yeah. so it could be because maybe he got into an alteration at school. He beat somebody up or something, and they they won't. They wasn't happy about it, and they um. Passed yeah. and shot him, you know? Oh, okay, okay. It could be um, any number of things. You never know what the truth is. Yeah, you never know because, you know, again, in school, if I can reflect back on school days, there were lots, there were lots of fights. And um, the only difference between the school from my days and now is that um, after you lose a fight, you maybe you'll fight a second or third time. But if you keep getting beat up, you'll just leave it at that and, and, and no more beef. Right, right. Yeah, but another one, one major concern for me was the fact that, you know, I think he might be a politician is suggesting that guns be taken away. Like, well, you know, go ahead. Well, that, um, you're speaking about Trinidad, right? Yeah. Well, um, 
I, I, that's a non-argument because we, I mean, 90% of Trinidadians do, don't have a, a firearm, you know. Right. And who does? Only the criminals. You know, the, the police officers, maybe the businessmen, uh, which are very few, and the criminals. Which are also few, but, you know. Right. I, I heard a rumor that... Um, some Venezuelans came ashore and they were selling guns for $500 Okay, and who's buying them? Um, that, that's what I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm just hearing people chattering on the streets, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, but the point here that I'm trying to make is that, you know, I'm pretty sure... Uh, because if you, if you listen to the clip, he's talking about the Beatham and Leventon and... What's the racial makeup of, of these places? It's primarily African. And again, you, you, you guys are going to hear that hear race being a recurring theme with me because it's something that you guys need to wake up to. In Trinidad, multiculturalism has fucking failed. Okay? The only successes multiculturalism has had in Trinidad is cuisine, religion, and dysfunction, which is identified as Africanism. Okay? Um, so... The the demographic or the racial demographic of, of these places happens to be African. So this guy is basically saying that we should go in and take the guns away from these guys. But I mean, I mean, again, too, you, you have to question his common sense. It's not an educated. It's not an intelligent um, option because you take the guns away. But you're not controlling the source of the influx. Right. Right. So, so, so my, I, I guarantee you, they go in and they take the guns away. They might have one month of peace, if even that much. Right. But, but even, even not even that controlling the source, I think that's putting a bandaid on a, on a gaping wound. The bottom yeah. line, it boils down to volunteerism. It boils down to choice. I saw a video. Was it you who shared that video um, of a guy? He walked up to a guy waiting on the uh, on the side of the street and chopped him to death. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people uh, claim that it was not Trinidad, but the point is, it doesn't make any difference. It does not make any difference. You, people, we are all responsible for the choices we make in life. Period. And taking away the guns. The point I was trying to make with that is. Um, in so many countries and states, even in Trinidad, I'm pretty sure Indians have guns, the Syrians have guns. Why are they not killing each other? Yeah. yeah. That's true. That's true. You, listen, it's not a gun issue. It's an it's, Africanism it's, problem. It's definitely not a gun issue. If it was a gun issue, all right, let's look at it this way. You can pass how many laws you want and people will still acquire guns. Criminals have no regard for the law. So what stops them from breaking the law to get a gun? Huh. Right. Right. So um, it's not a gun issue, you know. They can do what they want. But it comes down to people's character. Yeah. Maybe the way they were raised, you know. Um, Choice. Yeah. You know. Volunteerism. The drug trade and violent crime can have can bear no fruits unless you choose to do certain things unless you choose to get into it and um you know 
this this is this is this is the crux of Trinidadian society. The, yeah. the blame game. You, you people like to blame other things. Oh, you know, Faris Al Rawi or whatever the fuck his name is is responsible for taking food away from people. That's why they kill. No, absolutely not. They have a choice. They have a choice to make an honest living. Yes. Or we have a choice to walk in, rob someone, or sell drugs, or, or whatever, and live a short life and die young. That's right. And kill others with them also. You know? Yeah, so, so, so you know, and this goes to the, the, the whole blaming of the big fish and the politicians. And, you know, if you want to stop crime, you got to go after the politicians. Dude, no. At the end of the day, you do, I'm, I'm sorry, but... I'm pretty sure there are cocaine barons right right around my corner. Okay? We'll never know. Why? Because my values does not point me in, in the direction to have an interest in that shit. Okay? There's drugs circulating everywhere in, the, in New York, in the Triborough State, right? In, in, in Florida, wherever, right? It's around us, everywhere. It's unavoidable. However... Am I going to choose to get into that? It's about your choices. It's, it relies on volunteerism. Volunteerism is a major concept that is very absent to the, to the, un, to, to the, to the Trinidadian mind. You guys, for some reason, cannot comprehend that volunteerism makes all the difference. You want to say anything, Anna? Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with you. I, I, I think we're definitely on the same page. It's it's not about guns. It's it's not about knives. You know, if it was about guns, then it would be about knives as well. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it comes down to the values that someone holds. And it, 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 the challenge is, and we all know, if no one's willing to have a conversation, an honest conversation about it, how are we ever going to effect any kind of change? Yeah, yeah. If we all tell the African, hey, you're fine. Nothing's wrong with you. It's everybody else. It's not you. You're okay. How are we ever going to make their lives and consequently our lives better and safer? Tara? Yeah, that, I agree. And um, what I would say to them, again, um, as a community, Everyone needs to accept responsibility for their actions. They need to value life. You know, um, and, and this is a practice I, I follow at home here. Let's say, um, well, you know, um, in the, um, when you live in Trinidad, there's lots of trees and so on. So anyway, um, there's um, lizards and so on around the place and they come and they basically poop all over my room sometimes, you know. And um, I don't just um, kill the lizard. If I catch it, I, I put it in a container and I walk a, a little distance and I release it. Right. And, you know, and, and, and that has everything to do with valuing life. That's right. That's right. That's right. And if, if, if you esteem human life to be of greater value or lesser value, it, you know, it will dictate your, uh, your responses to your, to your fellow human being, to your fellow uh, countrymen, you know, um, you know, it's not just up to the African community in Trinidad. It's up to 
everyone to have this discussion. And for the most part, Trinidadians refuse to talk about race because for some reason it's, it's taboo and they think that it's a melting pot and everyone gets along and smiles in, in each other's faces and this and that. But at the end of the day, you guys are sinking. You're a sinking ship. Again, one thing I also um, this um guy, the, the, the Sharon family, right? Yeah. Well, well, we, we all know the unfortunate fate they shared. And again, it, it comes down to, to um, choice. That's right. Choice, right? They, they didn't, it didn't have to end that way. It, it came down to actions that caused another reaction and so on, right? Right. And the I, I have to close off because my phone battery is low. So anyway, um, yeah. it has to do with our our actions. And what I'm saying is this: depending on your action, it is it, it belongs to you know how how you live your life. If if we accept responsibility for our deeds collectively, things will improve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, one last thing I want to say is that, uh, you know, again, Trinidadians, you guys have to ask yourselves, how ought we to live? How ought we to live? And, and what kind of society do you want to see your grandkids grow up in in the next 20 to 50 years? What kind of Trinidad? What, what the hell is Trinidad going to look like? And in, in order for, for, uh, for a change to be affected, it has to start now. And we need to start talking about reality. Yeah. yeah. I agree. And I would also add to the, these unpopular laws that are being passed. They are being passed due to our failure as yeah. human beings to live a good, decent, peaceful life. And exactly. if we can continue this way, our our freedom, freedoms and liberties will be taken away. That's right. That's a very, very crucial point. Yeah. Thank you Absolutely. for that. Yeah. All right, TJ. Uh, it was nice talking to you, and we should do this again. Yeah. Have a good night, and um, we'll, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Take care, guys. Yeah. All right, bye. Yeah. Bye. Yeah.